loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, my guest is Milk. Vocalist, keyboardist, and songwriter Milk was named one of Shazam's Artists to Watch in 2016. Her debut single, Devil Devil, was a soundtrack to multiple TV shows, including The Royals, Lucifer, and Pretty Little Liars. It peaked as the number one popular tune on TuneFind.com. Milk's single, Quiet, released in January 2017, is a rise against her history of physical and sexual abuse, along with pressures to meet co-modified standards of beauty. Milk's performance of the song with 25 female singers at the Women's March in Washington, D.C., was captured on video by film director Alma Harrell and went viral on social media with Milk's hashtag, I Can't Keep Quiet. It garnered nearly 16 million views on Facebook alone and, and support from major influencers including Emma Watson, Deborah Messing, Tom Morello, Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, and Dennis Leary. Major press outlets like Billboard, NPR, Rolling Stone, BuzzFeed, Entertainment Tonight, and Vanity Fair have called it the unofficial anthem of the Women's March. Welcome, Milk. Thank you so much. That was a great intro. <laughs> I'm really happy well. to I'm really happy to have you. You've had uh, an amazingly intense time since January 21st, which is not very long <laughs> when we think about it. Um, just a little over a month. Yes, it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll talk of course much more than that, but I thought we could begin for maybe some of my listeners who somehow have not heard your song with a, a little bit from the, the beginning of the song, uh, just to give those of them that haven't heard it some idea um, what you're saying and how you're saying it. Yeah, uh, just a little bit of the background, you mean? No, I'm going to actually play a little bit of the song. Oh, oh cool, awesome. <laughs> just so people can hear it. <laughs> awesome, great. your face know your place shut up and smile don't spread your legs I could do that but no one knows me no one ever will if I don't say Yeah. 
I can see why the word anthem starts getting spoken by people because uh, you've just expressed that energy so deeply uh, and intensely and vulnerably is is a big part of it for me that Uh, there's such a vulnerability in the way that you're talking about speaking out. Yeah, thank you. I think that's a priority for me to um, be as honest as possible um, just because I think life is short and I want to share my reality the best I can. One thing that made me think about is that female artists in particular are under incredible pressure to kind of project a certain image while also letting your heart out. And it seems to me that's a bit of a a no-win situation in a way. Yeah, it's, um, I think, you know, traditional standards for the um, archetype of the female singer in mainstream media definitely undergoes the pressure of a certain look, a certain feel, a certain age. Uh, Age is a big obsession in the um, industry of entertainment. I find it really interesting that, um, you know, in a lot of bios, it'll say, you know, the name of the artist, comma, and their age, comma, and it seems to be a really big part of an artist's identity. And then, you know, moving forward from that, like the physical image of a woman, um, the appropriate waistline and the size of the woman has always, has been an obsession for a while in, you know, growing up looking at the pop stars and, you know, looking at what they were and were not wearing, um, creates this, um, feeling of suffocation, for a lot of women because a lot of women don't look like that and it goes with any type of um, expectation in a general scheme when society expects a certain group of people to behave or appear a certain way it naturally creates this divide between the people who fit in and the people who don't Um, and even goes with race as well Mm. Um, and you know I don't think there are many uh, Asian American female pop singers out there in the American culture. So that's also an additional layer. Um, it's very interesting and I am very excited to, um, continue to break down the expectations of, of what has been established and what has limited women in many, many ways. I think, so many women feel the pressure to appear a certain way that they spend that time and that energy focusing on things like, you know, diets and starving oneself or fitting into a dress that maybe they don't even really like. Um, Mm. (laughs) uh, And meanwhile, we could think about amazing other things like song lyrics and melodies and how to arm ourselves with the power of production and sound engineering, there's a lot of other things that um, we could be focusing on. 
What's interesting to me in terms of the the theme of the show, in a way, is that you you just felt called to do this, and it came out of kind of trying to get out of pleasing anyone and writing a song about really speaking your own truth. Yeah. And I have to think you didn't entirely expect what's happened. I don't know... (laughs) I don't know exactly whether you had a picture or whether it was just, as it is with many guests on this show, just something you had to do, you know, but then um, that ends up being the thing that just captures everybody, you being you and doing you. Yeah. I find that very beautiful. Yeah. And as you say that, it gives me chills because that is, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This song was something that I needed to get out. It felt like this lump in my throat um, for years, and I was trying to figure out how to say what this lump in my throat was trying to say, and I had written a few different song ideas. They they kind of fell flat until I wrote this song, and then I felt like I could finally breathe, and it was my own little song that I wrote at the end of 2015, and I didn't... (sighs) I mean, I knew that I was clearly articulating what I needed to say, so I was very proud of it, but it's a ballad, and um, it's, you know, not like the hippest, coolest, there's, you know, it's just, it is what it is, so I didn't know what the reaction would be. Um, (laughs) Definitely took me by surprise. (laughs) And let's and let's talk about how it actually how you actually ended up bringing it to the march because I think that's also a very uh, compelling story in a way. Um, yes. You know, would you like to tell people about that? How that all came sure. about? Yes. Um, so, like I said, I finished the song at the end of 2015, and I got a phone call from um, a manager who heard the song. Um, because it was part of my producer's uh, library. It wasn't public yet, but she had heard it um, during a pitch meeting. And so she called me and said, look, I think this song is incredible. I think that, you know, you could sign a deal from this. And I was like, oh, really? Um, You know, because I was 20, I think I was 28 at the time, and I was already feeling those, those pressures of age, and I was already starting to open myself up to the possibilities of um, being a writer and being a producer for other artists. Um, But I never really quite let go of my own dream to be a singer. But I was starting to understand that that's what other people were starting to see for me. Um, And so I I thought she was going to talk to me as, you know, she wanted to pitch the song to another artist. But she's like, no, 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 it's your story. I, I think it's you. And so then that all of 2016 became a um, process of the, my, those managers that found me um, figuring out how I could get signed to a label because they felt that the song needed more support than just an indie release of just me putting it online. They thought it'd be best if there was a label supporting it so we could promote it. And um, so it became this dance of the manager's trying to figure out what I was going to be appropriate for, um, how could they convince labels to sign me? And I've always been the odd duck out in the industry. I think people appreciated me in live performances, but they never really knew what to do with me. Um, And eventually by um, 
the fall of 2016, um, I could start feeling that the managers were confused as to how to place me. And so I, um, I ended up parting ways with them because I thought ah, this is the same thing that happens all mm. the time where people look at me from outside and are starting to try to put me in these boxes and it's making me feel that suffocated feeling that quiet is really about. So I was like, how ironic that it's happening again um, because of this song and this song is speaking out against all those specific things. And it's um, what originally drew them to the song, ironically. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but then they can't follow through with it, in a way. Yes, yeah, and the intentions are, you know, good, and I think it's the art of continuing to be fearless despite knowing what the archetypes are out there, because, you know, I think they found out that I was, you know, my age, um, I think one of the managers didn't realize my age, and I think that that threw her for a loop. And I was like, okay, well, this is the same game that I'm not wanting to be a part of. So they can go if they'd like. And um, and then the election happened, and I was just like, you know what? This is definitely not the time to try to please others and fit in and like find a way to um, seem uh, attractive to somebody else, especially with the the dialogue that was happening on mainstream media about females and just really struck a chord with me and my co-writers. I had some co-writers that were really traumatized by the words that were used by in the presidential campaign. And I could see how it was affecting people um, on a very deep level as, as it was affecting me. So I knew that it wasn't just me that was feeling these feelings of that suffocation again and like came up again. And so I thought, all right, I'm just going to do this on my own and I'm going to release it. And I know it's going against all the advice I've gotten from experts in the industry and it's going to be a David and Goliath thing, but I just haven't felt this strongly about something in a a really long time. So I'm going to follow it. Um, You know, at that time it was November and, um, I had lost my entire team, and I remember talking to um, my partner, and he said, you know what, honey, you're the team, so you do Mm. what you need to do, and I clung to that. I said, okay, I'm the team, I'm the team, okay. So I started um, planning the music video, and then I started planning the... um, my trip to Washington, D.C. And what happened was after the election, I think a week later I saw on Facebook the Women's March, and it was just this beacon of light. And even as I speak about that now, I get these chills because it was such a source of comfort to plan my trip to D.C. to meet other women who felt the same way. And I knew it was going to be this, I just had a feeling it was going to be this massive event and that people would start conversations and um, come together. And I thought that's the coolest thing that I've heard about in a long time. And I'm definitely going to do that. So I bought my ticket immediately in November. And my friend, um, Krista Sa, is the one of the, um, she's the creator of the Pussy Hat Project. And we what were are the odds? <laughs> I know the, the it's so crazy. Be together talking about what to do, and this is where yeah. it's done. 
Yeah, so during Thanksgiving break, you know, Kristen and I have been friend, really good friends for the past few years. We really support each other in our creative endeavors, and she called me Thanksgiving break and told me about her idea, and I told her, wow, Krista, that idea is amazing. I think it's going to go viral. She's like, you think so? Yeah, I, de- I definitely think so. That's amazing. Um, and I was like, yeah, I, I want to share quiet at the march. I just, you know, it's not like a hat, you know, that you can pass out and it creates value for a marcher because it creates warmth. And, and it's also this message and this um, unifying process of someone knitting the hat and giving it to somebody else at the march. It's such a beautiful thing. And I was like, you know, I could pass out CDs, Um but that would just seem like I'm self-soliciting and that's kind of annoying for marchers to need to hold a CD and that doesn't seem practical. And so I thought, you know, we're the generation of experience. Like I think people love experiences more than anything these days um, in our privileged culture. And so I thought, okay, well, I could just create a wall of sound and then, you know, walk up to people and sing the song for them. Um, and I have a background with acapella singing um, ever since high school and singing at uh, UC Berkeley in the acapella group. Um, and so I thought, all right, I'm going to create a choral arrangement of this song and then we're just going to go sing for people and hopefully I can find a group of girls in L.A. that will do it. And that's, so I started. That's fantastic. We got to go to break. <laughs> and when we get back, I want you to share how that unfolded in real time, you know, when yeah. you actually got there and did that. And uh, let's share that story as soon as we get back. Great. And listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find Milk, you can go to milkmusic.com. It's M I L C K music.com. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Mm 
listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Milk, whose amazing song, Quiet, has been described as the anthem of the Women's March that happened in January. She sang it with 25 other women, and it went viral on Facebook and elsewhere, 16 million views at least. Um, And before the break, we were kind of, you were telling me what led up, how this song ended up going with you to the march, I guess I'll put it that way. Um, and, yeah. um, uh, can you, yeah. can you uh, let people know how it turned into what it did and what that was like at the actual experience of, of singing it there and um, sharing your song that way? Yeah, um, I was able to confirm 25 women who all... Um, are part of these vocal groups in D.C. And uh, when I confirmed them, they were all scattered all over the United States. So I uh, recorded each part that of my arrangement and sent them via email and um, had Skype meetings and uh, phone calls with them uh, throughout the winter break to just try to shepherd the whole thing as... as um, lovingly as I could. And um, there was a lot of unknown... Uh, there were a lot of unknown factors to the process because, you know, there's 25 women I've never met before. And then um, we didn't really even have a full rehearsal that everyone could attend before the march. But um, a lot of them attended to a rehearsal on Thursday before the march. And, um, and I, you know, as I was sitting on the airplane flying to D.C., I thought to myself, wow, Am I crazy? Like this could sound <laughs> really bad. Um, uh, this and, might just ruin everything. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I actually, um, I'm proud of this moment. I thought ahead and realized that I would need help, so I actually flew one of my friends out. I was like, "Can you help me?" And she used to sing in a, the a cappella group at UC Berkeley as well. And so you know, it's like two friends, and we went out there. And we had no idea what the rehearsal was going to be like, but we had phone conversations with the choir leaders and just everyone was so on board and so respectful of each other's boundaries. And, you know, because I knew I was walking into a situation where there were multiple choir leaders and, you know, I'd never met these women before. So we were very, very loving with how we divvied up the tasks and um, leadership roles. And it was just a beautiful thing to watch unfold. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no ego uh, and yeah, the rehearsal went beautifully well, and um, the singers ranged from ages 19 to 45, and some of them were just students at George W. University, and the other singers were mothers of three sons, and um, it was really neat to just see the different generations coming together and singing. So um, morning of Saturday... We, I told everyone to meet at um, the McDonald's closest to the main stage. I was like, let's just meet in front of that there and let's just start flash mobbing. 
um, all the way to the main stage and just see how many we can get done. And I was hoping for three, and my plan was I was going to have my friends record on their cell phones, and I would stitch together a video and then share it after the march and hopefully get some local press back in Los Angeles and maybe D.C. That was my goal. Um, And... We ended up doing seven flash mobs, and um, I had actually sprained my ankle on Christmas, so I had a wheelchair with me, um, and then I would stand and sing, and then my uh, friend would push me on the wheelchair, and we'd go to the next spot. And uh, what was really crazy is that um, serendipitously, uh, our last flash mob intersected with Alma Harrell, who you'd mentioned, um, this well-known music video director and and movie director. She's incredible. And I didn't know of, of her or, like, I, I actually had seen some of her work before, but I didn't know that was her. But she she had gotten lost from her friends and was trying to get them to the main stage. And me and my group, we were trying to get to the side of the main stage but the streets were blockaded and there was no way of getting there in time. So I said, you know what, let's just sing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was where Alma happened to be standing. Um, and so we sang our last flash mob. Alma filmed us. She didn't say anything to us. Um, and then, you know, we all hugged and dispersed and I had no idea what was going to happen and I, uh, because I had a wheelchair, I got wheeled to the side um, right in front of the stage and I was watching all the stage performances and I thought to myself, wow, I wish I could have done something else to get myself and the choir on stage because I feel like this song would really connect with people. Um, and I remember when I first shared this song end of 2015 to a friend, she's like, oh, you should pitch this to Katy Perry and because I was near the side of the stage Katy Perry walked by and I thought oh, is the world just playing one big joke on me is, the t- <laughs> is it telling me that I should have pitched this song to Katy Perry or I should have waited because you know each flash mob I'm maybe reaching 40 people so it's like oh man maybe if you know Katy Perry sang this song more people would have heard it and you know I started having all these self-doubt thoughts and I was like okay stop you know control my mind. I've been meditating. So I was like, I looked up at the sky and I said, okay, universe, um, you know, I feel like I've done everything I could in my own power to share this song. And if you want this song to be shared, you show me a sign. And I just let, let it go. I just let myself not overthink what I could have done. I just let myself enjoy the spirit of the march. And my friend wheeled me through the march and we had a really great time and we had dinner. And after dinner, I got a tweet and someone's like, oh my gosh, Emma Watson retweeted your performance and I was surprised because I hadn't posted anything yet. Um, And it turns out Alma had posted and the video was just going viral like crazy and I didn't really realize what was happening. I was just like, oh wow, okay, I'll try to respond to all these Twitter replies. This is awesome, you know. And then um, I tried to reply to as many Twitter replies as much as possible, fell asleep around 3 a.m., woke up, and then the video, I think, was close to 10 million views. And I thought to myself, oh, wow, this is much bigger than I realized. And then Washington Post and um, BBC and all these different publications started reaching out, and it was basically nonstop until... For the next month, and I, I think I'm still on the nonstop thing. I think I'm just more <laughs> used to it now. Um, 
There's so much beauty in in that, uh, you know, in terms of uh, um, it's not the end until it's the end, you know, that that there are all these um, moments where you think something is just not possible um, despite effort. This radio show is actually an example of that as well. And, And then something just you could never plan in a million years happens. Yeah. Uh, the serendipity of all that is is just completely captivating to me. Yeah. And but but that the heart of it was just you trying to share the message of being yourself and speaking. And yes. that's that's what happened with it. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. I also felt like, you know, so much was happening um, with the world and people felt so astounded and surprised, uh, at least the communities that I'm a part of. And, um, and it just, there's a strong desire to do something. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to DC. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and share the message. And I think a lot of artists are feeling that way now. Um, and not just artists, you know, all these different types of people. Right. Yeah. You know, I've been I've been thinking a whole lot about I I'm 63. I uh, awesome. was was a teenager and young adult when the women's movement when that women's movement was happening. And sadly and beautifully your song could have been a song then, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's what that was all about. And there was that kind of energy as well. Just we have to speak. You know, we, yeah. we have to speak. We have to know ourselves. We have to speak. We have to be public about what isn't working and what needs to be better. And, you know, um, and, and so it really brought all that back for me, which I appreciated, too. That, wow. Uh, yeah, and, it's really powerful. And, you know, about a week after the election, I was driving in the car with my wife, and we uh, and I turned to her and I said, "You know what? There's going to be a lot of incredible music that's going to come out yeah. of this." <laughs> because again, about that time, um, so much incredible music came out of that need to describe what was going on inside of people. Yeah. Um, so then when your song happened, I, I was sort of um, feeling that freshly, you know, profoundly that um, wow. never would have heard your song. I doubt I doubt I would have heard your Maybe my daughter lives in L.A. She's kind of in your age group, but, <laughs> you know, um, but probably not. And uh, I'm so grateful for it. Me too. Yeah, I, I think that everything happens. Uh, timing is so important, and it's interesting that I held on to this song and released it when I did. Everything just kind of felt like it was planned or something. But I, yeah, I, I remember after the election, you know, I was devastated. And, you know, but, you know, the silver lining was like, well, I can't wait to hear the riot music. And I remember telling my mentor at that time, it's like, wow, I just can't wait to hear what the voices of our time are going to say about all this. And she's a very amazing woman. And she looked at me and she's like, it's going to be new voices. Um, And I almost took that as a challenge. I was like, okay, yeah, new voices. Maybe there's a space for me. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? 
Um, so it's interesting how I have this opportunity now to um, to use this platform for good and to help continue healing and sharing hope. You know, uh, the other thing that I just don't want to uh, pass by is I, I, I read a description. You um, were interviewed. Uh, I'm, I'm very sorry. I've forgotten who interviewed you right at this <laughs> yeah, moment. No but, um, uh, but you went kind of section by section in the song and described what it meant to you, which is quite an unusual thing to have read. Um, yeah. <laughs> artists don't often do that. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like you give the song out to everybody and they make of it what they will and you don't have to explain yourself, kind of. Right. Um, so yeah. I was very moved by that. And um, some of the the things that you had to overcome to get to the place to write that song, I think are important for us to talk about. Yeah. Um, we have a few minutes now and we may even go, you know, beyond the break. But... Um, particularly kind of coming from a from an especially conservative kind of family background and in having experiences that really um, leaned against self-expression let's say yeah. and self-empowerment can you talk some about that yeah um, I, you know I come from a really loving family and I think because of the culture clashes as a young child and especially as an emotional teenager, um, I didn't understand that it was love. It was just from a different um, mouthpiece. And uh, there was a lot of friction between me and my family ever since I was young because I just did things differently and I was quite stubborn and um, and it drove my parents crazy. Um, and I think that they you know, were worried. I think they worried about my artistic personality and about my openness um, to unexplored things because they just didn't want me to be unsafe. And, um, and, you know, I was a goofy kid. I loved, you know, talking in accents. I loved Jim Carrey. I loved pretending to be a cowboy and running around the house you know, just being this weird, goofy kid. And I remember, you know, my dad would always be like, okay, Connie, stop doing the accents now and, you know, quiet down. And, and I was, you know, I was a little chubby as a kid and they put me on a diet when I was 10. And so I was made hyper aware of, um, how I needed to look. Um, and then the pressures of, you know, my sister is this genius. She's literally a genius. She got tested and, you know, ever since she was young, she knew she wanted to be a doctor, and my dad is a doctor, and it, you know, was his pride and joy that his daughter wanted to follow in his footsteps, and he always wanted me to, and I think I, you know, played around with the idea here and there, but at that time, I just felt, okay, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, you know, Annie, my sister, took 11 APs, so that means I'm going to take 11 AP courses, and um, and I didn't really realize I was just not even thinking about what I wanted. I was really just doing what I thought I was supposed to do because ever since I was young, my natural instincts were told. I was told that my natural instincts were not that great. You know, I should behave and stop doing the accents. And 
So um, pull it together, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. So what did the, you say? I said, and pull it together, kind of. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was told, you know, women in the traditional culture um, of where my parents are from, you know, women with smaller mouths were more beautiful, with bigger eyes, they could observe and speak less. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm screwed. <laughs> um, <laughs> you knew even then that wasn't probably going to be very easy to, yeah. <laughs> to pull off. Let's come yeah. back to that in a couple of minutes. That's a good place to, to take our break, and we'll come back to that point. Um, so, listeners, you can go to my website, weatherandgrief.com, or my host page. And you can also find Milk at milkmusic.com, M I L C K music.com. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Milk, the musician who who shared her song Quiet at the Women's March, singing it with 25 other women and um, leading to incredible inspiration. And before the break, Milk, we were talking about your family and and um, what they hoped for you, which is to be, uh, you know, very accomplished academically, be a doctor maybe, and mm-hmm. um, get all A's and um, not speak too much and how out of sync that was with who you felt yourself to be. But, you know, I know from being a person like that and working with a lot of people <laughs> like that, it's very hard to love yourself, even though you can't fit that, uh, it's a big project to love yourself being what they don't want you to be. Yes, yes. Um, and that's a, you know, it definitely, I felt that in my own journey with my with my upbringing. <clears throat> I, 
you know, leaded to eating disorders, you know, um, I think because I was never encouraged really to have my own unique voice, I felt like I was silent and I couldn't say no. And I couldn't say no in many ways, actually, throughout my life. And, um, you know, the only time I could say no to my parents, I felt, was at the dinner table when she, my mom offered food. I would say no. And mm. when I look back, I realize how much I lavished in those moments of saying no to her. Um, <clears throat> it was my silent way of protesting, even though that was the wrong way. Or it was just not what I actually yes. wanted to protest. It's um, kind of a, but, a, a not thought through protest, a, yes, a, like a visceral yeah, protest. Yeah, and being 14, you know, our, my brain wasn't fully formed and I my self-identity wasn't. And so that's, I thought I was, that was my way. I didn't even realize I was doing it, but it was just my way of exerting self-control, I think. And, um, and so self-control I did. I um, stopped eating for a very long time. I would eat very small amounts and <clears throat> exercise very large amounts and um, became, you know, my same frame, five four and a half and I dropped down to 98 pounds and uh, it's not my frame because I'm, a, you know, my, I have, I guess, wider frame and all that. So it was very unnatural and got to a point where, you know, my family friends would mention something to my parents, but, you know, it the culture doesn't encourage speaking about these things. So nothing was ever inc- spoken about. Um, and then I started rebelling and I started dating somebody who was much older and that relationship became a, a an abusive one. I went from, you know, not ever kissing a boy to doing everything that I didn't think I was ready for, but I was intimidated into doing the things. And um, I learned very quickly that if I didn't do what he wanted, he would get really angry. So I remember that specific moment, actually, as a 14-year-old. Um, telling myself, okay, Connie, you got to just do exactly what he says or else he's going to throw things again. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I collapsed and told my parents. And um, unfortunately, the way that everything was framed and because my parents were not really equipped to understand what had happened, I was... Um, I was I started understanding the story in that I I was the I asked for the trouble and it was my fault. Um and so for the next 11 years I carried this burden of me being a bad bad daughter and being someone who brought this upon the family. Um mm-hmm. and uh it wasn't until you know, I had graduated Berkeley and I had been performing and maybe I'd written more songs or talked to more people who were more understanding of who I am. And I just thought maybe this wasn't my fault. Um, but it took 11 years. And I think sometimes it takes longer for other women to figure it out or even men who are victims of abuse. It's not just for women. But... um I remember the first time I said it out loud, I said it on stage before I sang a a song of mine and I almost felt like I was lying. (laughs) I almost felt guilty for it, but I encouraged myself to continue saying it so that I could get used to it. 
Um, yeah, and then, you know, I, I could feel myself uh, getting in my own way with my past and my career and my passions because I was carrying this shame and this guilt and um, I had no tools of healthy communication or boundaries with people. Um, I would find myself in a lot of business relationships, signing with labels or working with managers and finding myself voiceless by the end of the relationship and almost closing in. And, you know, so I knew that I had a problem. So I signed up for therapy. Once Obamacare happened, my artist budget could afford therapy. And Mm. I, um, I went to the therapist and I told her, I'm getting in my own way. Can you please help me get out of my way? Um, so we went into two years of digging, reframing and understanding that some things are not my fault and, and some things are in my control and the art of building boundaries and speaking up for myself. And what was so interesting, the therapist said, she's like, it's so ironic that you are a singer with this voice, but in your real life, you have no voice. Um, and she's, and I told her, yeah, I fantasize, this person who sings my songs is another version of me who's my hero, you know, the woman that I dream to be. Um, and so, um, she encouraged me to integrate <laughs> both sides of myself. And um, <laughs> I think I'm getting emotional because I'm thinking about. Well, I'm getting emotional too, <laughs> because that's that's the heart of it, you know. To find uh, for me, working with people to to help people find their own voice and their own way, that's very beautiful yeah. to me. Yeah, and I and I just didn't realize that the word quiet was what I was trying to find until, you know, doing the therapy, I started um, having these dreams where my past, I would reenact the past, but I would change the script. I started like reinventing what happened and I would say the, me and my dreams would start saying the things I wish I had said when I was younger, like, this is not right. And, um, And then, you know, there was this one particular dream where someone was observing me getting hit and I I told the observer, you know, we need to say something, this isn't right. And she looked at me and said, well, if you say anything, you're going to make it worse, so just stay quiet and it'll be over soon. And I looked at her and I said, well, I can't keep quiet. And I woke up after the dream and I was just in a weird spell because the dream was very vivid and very disturbing. And I went to my writing session that day and shared my dream with my co-writer, who's this amazing female producer, writer, engineer. Her name's Adrienne Gonzalez. And um, I told her the dream, and she said, well, that's your chorus. So I followed the, the lines of the words and found the melody. And then we just wrote the song that day. And, and then I felt like I could finally breathe. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'm not usually speechless, but that I'm makes me speechless. The, the idea that that line came to you in a dream is very beautiful to me. Yeah. And that you 
we're able to allow that to come out. And, um, I mean, perhaps you needed the two years to wait for, you know, to get ready <laughs> for what's Yeah, going. I think yeah. so. But I don't want to... I don't want to let you go either without talking about what this is becoming because you're doing a project called I Can't Keep Quiet where mm-hmm. you're having women share their stories. Is that correct? Yes. yes. And that, um, and that, you know, when I, I watched the original, uh, your, your original official video. Yeah. Which is very amazing. And it's Thank basically you. you. Right, and, yeah. and then there's there's you at the women's march with 25 women, and then I watched the video <laughs> of you with 1,300 people. Yes, and then uh, you know all of these other people singing it are po- you know the 16 million views. It's it one person makes a difference. Yes, yeah. Uh, you're such a good. It. A good manifestation of that, you know, that that dream that was part of your healing has has gone here. It's pretty amazing. I hope people will go. I don't know. If, I don't know if you want to say any more about uh, "I Can't Keep Quiet" just briefly um, before I'm going to play some more of your song before we close today, but is it true people can go share their stories on the website? Yeah, so um, I am actually going to be changing the platform soon so that it becomes like a public posting. Um, What I've been asking is, you know, people email me directly and they share their stories. Um, Well, I I came up with an idea as I was speaking with my friend, um, Tulika, who is a survivor of rape, and she reached out to me and we went to high school together and we kept in touch online on Facebook for years and we finally got on the phone and um, we were talking about the song and the power of um, the platform and how we can continue healing people and she's very passionate as as a survivor herself and um, the idea now is to um, ask permission from these people sharing their stories to if I could also share them with um, the, my community now, and um, only the people who are comfortable, and we'd, we'd uh, definitely prepare them for, you know, the feelings of what is to come and provide resources um, for outside organizations that are more specialized in helping survivors. Um, but if they want to, I would like to share their story of survival and, and then present an art piece as a healing gift. Um, and then I'd like to invite the rest of my community to bring forth healing gifts of art or anything um, to support that woman. Um, And also, if that story inspires others to speak up about their own, they can share their story as well. And I envision that this will become this like ecosystem of stories and healing amongst um, the community, and I think it'll grow beyond me. Um, That's but, incredible. We're we're gonna have to end today because I want to share a little more of your song before yes. we go. But I hope you'll come back at some point when that project unfolds, so we can talk about it some more. Because that's yeah. really an amazing project. Um, I just want to mention thank you so much for being with me. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. 
Of course. And I just want to mention that next week I'll have Cassie Underwood. We'll be talking about her recently released book, which really coordinates with today. Um, uh, May Cause Love, An Unexpected Journey of Enlightenment After Abortion. Um, and she has a beautiful voice, uh, open speaking voice, too. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. so much for joining us for good grief please come back next wednesday at 5 p.m eastern time 2 p.m pacific time for another edition featuring your host cheryl jones on the voice america health and wellness channel have a meaningful week